Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is licensed art therapist, counselor, and my friend, Chrislyn McCaskill. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> so um, we've, we've known each other for a few years, but um, over the last few years, you've excelled and gone further in your career path. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about your work within the arts community and ultimately, why did I reach out to you? <laughs> so, well, yeah, so you kind of reached out to me after you saw that I was guest teaching, um, for like painting actually specifically for um, an arts organization on Instagram. He's like, oh, I should invite you. And then I was like, okay. And you're like, yeah, let's do this. And then I got the invite. So here I am. So let's talk about your work then. Let's let's get into the details. So what is what is some, like some of your work? Describe like like what you did. Why why you chose to go into this arts therapy field? Because I don't know a lot about it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I I studied art in school. So uh, my bachelor's is from Goucher, and I I got it in like studio art. So there's like there was a lot of painting and drawing. Um, and my main medium was always pencil, graphite, charcoal, um, and then a lot of portrait work. Sure. Um, but when, before I even went back to school, um, I was in the military for a while and, you know, I kind of just got interested in art therapy because I was like really just, um, kind of impressed with the ability for like, um, art to help people process trauma. And then, you know, I had friends in the military that had been deployed, um, and just like had the stresses of military life. And that's kind of where my, my interest came from. Um, sure. and then when I was looking at schools, like one of the things that, um, GW kind of talked about, which is the school uh, where I got my master's from is, you know, art therapy is a profession born on the battlefield you know, yeah. and just how they use it to help treat, you know, shell shock is what they called it back then, but it's now PTSD. Um, and it was kind of just like combining, you know, my love of like being in the military. So working with service members and like art. Um, so then I'm like, Oh, this is a field. This is what I need to do. This is what I want to do. Uh -huh. Um, and I went through that two year master program. I did, you know, internships, and kind of just learn like how do you use um, art therapeutically and like all the different um, realms, like, you know, diagnosis, treatment, even teaching people how to, you know, cope with different things that come up in their life is just been really amazing. So here I am, like, you know, an art therapist and a counselor. Well, that's, that's great. Like, especially how, this year has gone for some people i've been describing like as we're recording this this is national cookie day and i was like yo this year has been sour so cookies are sweet do that and i'll make it feel better and it and it's about this this thing of just life is hard as it is but when you have something like what this year has been this dumpster fire of a year um you you want to do different things so i know for my degree of using and maybe it's wrong so correct me but using um, art for therapy. I have like those books, uh, like those coloring books oh, yeah. that have like these, I, I gave a bunch of them. Cause I know a lot of people who will talk about, man, I'm really, it's a rough time for me. And I'm like, here, take one of these or here's a printout. Yeah. And I'll, I'll do that. And I have that like 
in my home and being a person that really admires art and just being a person that's also aware of some of the, um, just some of the challenges people have emotionally. I definitely think what you're doing is cool and that you chose to do that as a um, career pursuit. Yeah. I mean, like, that's not exactly art therapy, like the, you know, the coloring pages, sure. um, but that, that does kind of just fall in the lines of like, that's like a coping skill or like, that's, um, like a therapeutic modality. Um, the thing about our therapy is that it's, it's very intentional and like the different interventions that we use is, is targeted to help the client or the individual kind of just work through um, identified issues that they, you know, have come in and say, okay, like, this is something, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I want to work on. Um, yeah, I know people always think like, oh, like you just work with kids and you just color. Um, but it's it's a lot more uh, intentional than that. And then, you know, my clientele ranges in age, actually. Um, I have so, more adults than I have children. So actually, that was a, a backdoor segue into my next question. Um, <laughs> how, how would you and, and be as general as you can, because like, yeah. I know you're going to be. Uh, how, how can you like, how, what's your approach when you're tailoring your art therapy session to meet your patient's needs or your client's needs? Uh, I mean, I'm a firm believer in meeting people where they are. Um, you know, you can study, you know, the different diagnoses, you know, but they're going to manifest and they're going to look different on each person based on their age, their gender, you know, their race. Um, and then also like how they were raised. Uh, you sure. know, especially just given how even in the black community, you know, mental health is still pretty taboo. I know we say like, oh, it's come a long way, but it's still, you know, it's very taboo. Um, and there, it, there's a, a lot to be done in kind of navigating that. But when, you know, clients come in, you know, it's kind of they're coming in with like what they've been through in life. They're coming in with where they are now. Sure. Um, and then it's really like once I get to know my client, then we kind of work through it that way. You know, you, you, you kind of just have to establish a therapeutic relationship. Um, sure. And then based on that, you know, you find out like, okay, where they are willing to go, where they are ready to go. You know, just because someone comes to therapy doesn't mean that they're ready to necessarily um, dive in yeah. to what they're saying they're coming in for. So it, it's a process. Um, and it's something that actually, like, I really enjoy it. Uh, you know, we, people talk about like, how, you know, you're always working, you're always working. Well, I love what I do, so it doesn't all, it doesn't really feel like what? work. <laughs> I kind of just up like I worked all day. You found the the missing link. Like people thrive for that. Like you know, it's like, can I get this? Can I get this balance where I don't think that I'm working? I just enjoy it. I'm there. I'm putting in the hours and. It is like a few different approaches when you're super busy to the degree that you don't know how many hours you've worked. Mm -hmm. You could just be super busy. Or if you've enjoyed it so much, like, oh, wow, it's six o'clock. I'm, I'm done. Here. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's good. Um, you, you touched on a bit um, your like creative background um, outside of like the the therapeutic space. Mm -hmm. So could you speak on describe some of your like other creative interests and maybe combine that back to how do you draw from those interests when working with your clients? Yeah. Um, so like I know I said before, like I initially was very, um, heavy into pencil and charcoal and, um, uh, and also pastels. 
but my most recent like ventures are more so watercolor based. And this actually was just born out of um, my time in the program. So one mm-hmm. of the things in the program is just, we learn how to do these different interventions and how to apply theory and things like that. But we also use art to better understand it for ourselves. And we also, you know, do the, do these different interventions um, so that we also can kind of understand like what this might be like for a client, you know, right. um, you don't want to implement something and you don't even have like the slightest idea of like what could possibly be going on or how your client could be experiencing it. Um, and due to that, um, one of the things is like, I just started doing a lot of watercolor um, and I've just, that's mostly what I've been doing lately. Unless, you know, someone has asked for something specifically like, a pencil drawing or they specifically asked for like acrylic painting. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, when I was in high school, my art teacher, um, who I love dearly, um, she had us do this watercolor and glue project, um, where like you draw with glue and then you paint in watercolor. And then like, you have like this multimedia thing and yeah. I've kind of just adapted that approach. I don't use the glue often. Um, but, I've just adapted that approach. And I think also I was just using that as a way to kind of process um, me losing her. Um, she right. passed away actually a few years ago. So not, you know, not too long ago. Right. Um, and I actually just used that specific modality to kind of just um, deal with her being gone um, because she was at my undergrad graduation in 2017. She was, well, she was at my art show from when I graduated in 2017. Um, so, and we've stayed in contact since I graduated in 2009 and she's always, she's a mentor. She's my favorite teacher. Um, one of the best gifts I got from, uh, my high school. Uh, so I think that's also like the therapeutic part is that you use art to navigate these really difficult situations. And we can say like, you know, I was grieving. I was, um, you know, even though she passed away a few years ago, just the reality is, you know, I was going through this program and she's someone that I, she actually kind of inspired me to, to go in that route. Um, after being out of school for so long, doing yeah. my time in the military. So, um, yeah, I, I think when I think about that and how do I implement it with clients, um, I often encourage them to kind of pull from things that they know that work. Um, because the thing is, it's like having consistency and things that are like reliable or that, you know, work for you are really great, um, kind of transitional points into start working on things that you want to work on. Um, you know, I, I was experiencing like this loss and this grief and, and, I loved watercolor. It brought me like using it always makes me think about her, you know, cause she's the one that taught me how to use it. She's the one that introduced me to it. So like I have these really fond memories, um, attached to this experience. Um, and then, and, that, and that's helpful. So in the same thing, you know, if a client might tell me, Oh, you know, if I say, Hey, you know, we talk about coping skills. Well, one of the things I do is I teach my clients how to crochet if they want to, you know, and a lot of people yeah. have really fond memories. Oh, my grandmother used to do that. Or, you know, like that, that's just an example. Um, sure. yeah. so yeah, I just try to pull from things that people are familiar with. Um, and then it makes it a little bit easier to transition into new things. 
That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I think if one is looking at you're learning these new skills or relearning these skills or taking from it's easier, it's an easier entry point to go into that from like some degree of common knowledge. Like when I try to learn anything, I, I remember in going through, um, I was in like therapy for three years and you know, my therapist was a nerd. I'm a nerd. And he was just like, so in feudal Japan, I was like, you've got me, what are we doing? <laughs> and he would just go down this long thing. He's like, so in Star Trek, I was like, all right, what are we doing? <laughs> And it was easier to kind of process these things that I think if presented in a kind of cookie cutter sort of way, not in a specific to your client sort of way, it can easily just get missed. That's not for me. I don't understand that. I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. So being able to present it the way, that, at least the way that I think that I heard that you were describing it to where your person is at and what they may know and kind of just something that just clicks for them, that that's that's dope. So Baltimore, yes. <laughs> uh, so how's it been, how's it been practicing in Baltimore or practicing in this area? Um, actually it has been the most overwhelming, exciting, most beautiful thing that I've ever experienced. And I know that really sounds like really conflicting. Right. But, um, when, when I was looking at employment, you know, post-graduation, you know, I really thought about what do I want to do? Like, mm -hmm. what's important to me? Where do I want to be? Um, how do, how do I want to serve? I mean, because it is a, it is a service profession. It's the helping profession. Yes. Um, and initially, like, I know I said, like, you know, I kind of got into this, you know, really just based off me being in the military. And I initially want to work with veterans with PTSD specifically, um, and not to say like, that's not something that I want to do in the, in the future, but I kind of just looked at, okay, like, you know what? A lot of people want to work with veterans, like veterans receive, you know, a good amount of services. Okay. Like where can I go or what can I do, um, for a population that is like, that's underserved and not to say that the veterans aren't underserved because they, because they, they are, but I was thinking about, okay, you know what? I'm from Baltimore and I actually had an assignment for my career, um, career development class that I was taking over the summer, you know, everything was going on with black lives matter, you know, and things like that. And I remember just kind of, one of the questions was just like, well, you know, what is, what, what is your ideal art therapy job? You know, if you could make one, like what would you be doing and how would you be doing and where? And I kind of reflected on like Trump's comment about, Baltimore being a roach, oh, I mean, a uh, rat-infested yeah. uh, city. Get it. And I think I actually quoted it in my paper, and I kind of went on this like, kind of tangent in the paper, but essentially, like, when I, like, look back at it, um, like, okay, well, this is what I need to do. So I was very intentional about choosing um, uh, practice. So I am in private practice. But I was intentional about choosing a practice that was serving the Black and African American uh, community, and also um, like took insurance, right? Mm -hmm. um, just because you got to look at like the access to mental health, right? You yeah. know, it, it's hard to take insurance, right? And I understand why a lot of people don't. But the thing is, is like when you don't, you kind of um, you kind of just limit access yes. to a lot. So I've, I've been learning a lot 
um, about like insurance and like different things like that. But I definitely wanted to be at a place that did those things because I want to provide as much access as possible. Um, and I am the only art therapist where I am. So it's also like, you know, educating my peers about like, hey, this is what art therapy is. This is how this works. This is how we can use it. Um, and then a lot of and a lot of people haven't even heard of it. So like that's that thing too. Like that's the advocacy piece, um, mm-hmm. you know, advocating kind of just saying like this, this is a service. Um, this is le- this is a legit field. Um, yeah. It's amazing. I love it. Um, it's helpful and you don't have to be, an, you don't have to be a quote unquote artist to, to, you know, receive art therapy services, you know, anything like a stick figure. Uh, I was literally going to say a stick figure a second yeah, ago. Uh, like that's still art. Um, so I, I, and th- I like that part too. Like, I like the fact that I get to kind of say, you know what, if you want to draw a stick figure, that's absolutely wonderful and it's still art it you learn so much just based on you know how the person is creating their picture what they depict what they don't depict it's amazing it's really amazing um and i think it's a really great feel that i can't wait for like more people like to learn about um but i also was thinking too you know there's not a lot of art therapists in baltimore there's not a lot of art therapists of color in baltimore um and I'm just like, well, this is probably where I need to be. And this is where I want to be too. Um, so, and so I have my the, entire life to like change, you know, directions and things like that. But this is where I wanted to start. So I have the, the African-American art therapist in Baltimore, the unicorn, if you will. All right. All right. I see you. I see you <laughs> out here. Unicorn. I did just call you a unicorn. Um, and I, I can imagine like, you know, kind of the, the thing you touched on a second ago of like when a person's like, what what they may draw, like if they're drawing a stick figure there, what they may leave in, what they may take out and so on. And I was just thinking, I don't know why, but like when I was younger, I used to draw like what I thought was a self portrait of myself Mm -hmm. and I would keep it in a book. And then I would look at like, all right, how more, how has this changed over the years? Have I added more? Have I taken more out? I was like, well, that had corn rolls in it. This does not, or what other, like, like just, how I viewed myself is depicted in those attempts at self portraits. And I was like, that's saying something. So at times when I was at a very like positive place, it would be, it, it wouldn't be as detailed mm-hmm. when I was at a kind of negative place. It would be very detailed. And I was like, I'm overanalyzing myself a little bit. And and that's just what I was thinking. And it's, it's, it's just interesting just hearing that described a little bit, just something as simple as you doodling, you can overanalyze it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could also tell you a lot. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I think of that clip from uh, Super Bad when dude kept drawing penises on everything. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's see. Let's see. Got a few more questions and um, I'll give you a chance to shamelessly plug anything you may want to plug. Uh, so let's see. Um so you're not only are you like working in a practice and all, but you're actually doing your, your own thing outside of that. You, you have a, a store or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you can plug that in a minute. You can plug that in a minute. But the, okay. the question, I, the question I have is, so you've seen composition and you're producing composition. What do you believe are key elements of creating good composition? So you're, you're talking technical 
You see that? You see that right there? I went with a hard question. Yeah, because the thing is, I think if you would have asked me years ago when like, I was going to Micah and I was like at Goucher, like literally focused on like the technical aspect of art and looking at portraits and things like that, um, I probably would have easily answered that question. But I think that now because you're talking to the Chris that... Uh, I would say that kind of evolved and I, and I kind of view art so much differently than I used okay. to. I think a good composition is a composition that just reflects what the artist wanted to create and kind of just expresses how they're feeling. I, um, art is really, it's so broad. Like it's, it's not objective. I, I, and, and I believe that wholeheartedly, like, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I really don't have that technical answer for you at this point. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear it because um, in, in uh, doing this podcast is one of those things where I sometimes I have to justify even doing it. Like, oh, why'd you have this person on there? Because I, I have a podcast. I, I don't know what to tell you, uh, but I, I'll try to answer. And it's like, well, I think this person has an artful sensibility in what they're doing, or even the notion of trying to justify a podcast is being an art, you know, like my approach to doing it is artistic. I'm not just sitting there. I like to talk crap and moving on. I, I yeah. try to ask thoughtful questions and I try to have a pulse on what's going on. And by virtue of doing this pod, and speaking with individuals such as yourself, it's just like, I think that this is an area in Baltimore that's not being covered to the degree that it should, mm -hmm. that, you know, specifically what you do, but just more macroly speaking, artists and people that are effectively like driving the culture here, I think, that are making up what the culture is here. All right. So the last question that I have. Okay. <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm going to give you, I got two more questions now because that response was weird. So <laughs> the, 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 the next to last question I have, the penultimate question, uh, the Deathly Hollows part one question that I have for you. <laughs> um, what is your most unusual talent? Oh, my most unusual talent. Yeah, that's a, that's a curveball right there. Throwing it out to a few people. Like unusual in the sense of like people wouldn't expect it, or unusual as in like that's not a talent. I uh, wouldn't expect it. Um, like can you juggle? No. no um, I I think. Okay, in all honesty, I think that my most unusual talent is me braiding like doing hair. And I'm going to tell you why I'm looking at your hair, by the way, right now. Oh, yeah. I didn't do this. <laughs> one, um, one of my military friends did it for me. Um, but the reason I say that, and I know like braiding hair is like a lot of people have that skill, but the reason I say that that is probably one of my most unusual talents is because that is like partially how I got through school, like how I paid for school oh, wow. um, is because like I was working and I was in school and in my internships and I was doing hair on the side faithfully to you know do whatever i can to get through school um so did did you come over there with like mario braid my hair playing and <laughs> no, <laughs> I, um, I had to keep it as baltimore as possible because because i think when people i think people have a perception of me like they yeah. think a certain 
way about me. I mean, I, you know, but I'm also pretty elusive. Like I'm, I'm pretty like to pretty myself. elusive. Okay. Very elusive. Okay. Just um, making sure. <laughs> then you want to call me out. But I, when I say that, it's just like, when I say, Oh yeah. Like, Oh no, I was doing, hair. you do hair. Like that's always like, really you, um, I don't know. I, I think that that's why it's so unusual. Is like the like the kind of reactions that I get. Um, and I wouldn't have thought that it was it was unusual to me. I didn't think it. Really? No, I didn't. Yeah. All yeah. Of my talents unusual. So you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, hosting a podcast is an unusual talent. Uh, I've been doing it for twelve years. I mean, I know, but it's still it's still unusual. Like. Oh no! I'm just saying I've been unusual for twelve. Years. Oh, you've been unusual for twelve years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. Like I, mean, I think I'm uh, an unusual person too, so it's okay. Uh, so the last question I have for you. Now this is the ball buster question. This is really? the hard one. Yeah, they were all hard. <laughs> really, were they? Yes. All right. Um, so let's say we're outside of COVID, right? where everything is kind of back to some degree of normal. Okay. People are breathing properly. Masks are deprecated. Um, you have friends coming in from out of town and they're like, look, I need to, I need, um, I'm going to be there in Baltimore for a three day weekend. Uh What are three things that you tell them that they have to do? If they're coming to visit Baltimore, what are three things your out-of-town visitors have to do? Three things my out-of-town visitors have to do. It could be food-related. It could be to check out this park, this gallery. Um, it could be to buy art from you. It, it could be... <laughs> yeah. Okay. The three things. Um, Orioles game. Gang. Or, or Ravens, like either one, depending on the season. I think that... So that's, that's one because I'm not, that's gonna, a wildly, that's a wild broad budget though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with the Orioles tickets are more manageable, like, okay, but I say Orioles or Ravens game, but if you, if you want to budget, then definitely Orioles. Um, I would say the museums because I think Baltimore has ama- amazing, amazing museums. Um, like, I'm always just in awe every time I go to the BMA or the Visionary Arts Museum. Um, Oh, man. And then the other thing, uh, you know, I really love uh, the Inner Harbor. Like, I love everything that's down there. Um, I know people have their little comments and their thoughts about Baltimore, but I love the Inner Harbor. and I just like everything that's down there. Like I love the aquarium. There's, you know, yeah. I haven't been to the aquarium in years. Like that's actually something that I'm planning to do when COVID stops. Um, well, whenever it stops. But yeah, I think I always have a good time when I do those things. Yeah. Um, you can do that all in one swoop. You can go from Oreos to Inner Harbor, and then hit up the Avan right after Friends of the Network. Hit them right after, and boom. Yeah, but that was a hard question. Like, that's really hard because... Um, I'm, I'm asking a hard-hitting questions here. Yeah, but because, like, despite what the world may know or perceive about Baltimore, like, it's a really amazing place. Like, I bought a house in Baltimore, like... I did, too, yeah. Okay, so, you know, 
I know we have our stuff, but and um, I I love my city and the people in it. Yeah, the people here are great and they're unique. And I think like the one of the main goals of this podcast and try to, and kind of like what I've been doing over the last couple of years is in an effort to kind of help normalize it. I think that we're unique in our way that when you're from Baltimore, you know, you're, you're from Baltimore, you're from Baltimore. It's like we're authentic. We're this, we have this gritty, weird, all of this different stuff. Right. And then on the other side of, we have this street thing. We have these different neighborhoods that make up this melting pot that we have here, but then we're normalized. Like we're similar to new Orleans. We're similar to a Philadelphia. And I, I, I think that, this city being more than 60% black. I think that Trump crap and things like that, that we're just used as a, a, a footnote. We're used as this place, this negative insert name place. Yeah. And really it kind of marginalizes and it really hurts the, the culture here. Like people don't want to invest here. Like I work in higher ed outside of this. And some of the responses I get, I don't think I'm going to come to Baltimore. It's dangerous, right? It's a little sketchy. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's normal. <laughs> you, yeah. It's, it's like any place that you go is going to have like good and bad. And that's how you want to break it down like that. You yeah. know, like life's not black and white that way. Um, but yeah, but even like when you, you know, tell people, oh, you know, like, oh, you know, I live in Baltimore. I'm like, oh, but where are you from? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm from Baltimore. You know, I've had people say, no, you're not. Like, you don't have that accent or like, you no, don't you have all those kids and, and, oh, right. Yeah. These are things that people have said to me. And I just really think that that's just really same un unkind to say, right. So you think that because, I don't dress or look or act or speak a certain way that I'm not from Baltimore. And I said, you know, shame on you for not thinking that what a great city can cultivate a variety of people. And I can be one of those people. Um, Cause the city, it, it made me, I mean, yeah, my, my parents raised me, you know, and, and, and I got educated in school, but I'm just like, I think that, you know, where you come from, like it shapes you. And I think that Baltimore shaped me in a great way. I think, um, one of the reasons why I've been able to have so much empathy and patience and even understanding and not judge people is because I come from a place that is readily and wrongly judged. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that that's, we're not all that, you know, the media or the soon to be, ex-president <laughs> you getting evicted <laughs> yeah like you know we're, we're not that we're, we're, we're not just a rodent filled city we're not all these we're not the wire <laughs> we're not the wire you know um we're so much more than that and i think that that's one of, uh, that's the thing by me recognizing that i don't automatically judge people um people like you know how, how do you how do you so patient like how do you uh, are you kind to people? And I'm like, well, you know, I came from a place where they, they prejudge us and you know, that's not a great feeling. So I don't do that to other people. I dig it. Mm -hmm. So now in the last few moments, I want to thank you again for coming on the podcast. This has been great. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it has, it has, you were great. You were great. Um, so anything that you want to plug website, anything that you want to plug social media, anything. Um, and again, thank you. And we'll wrap up from here. So feel free. 
Um, I mean, you know, I am on Instagram. Uh, I think my my business Instagram is Crystalline McCaskill Art. So it's like super long. So it's a lot uh, of letters. It is. It's my first. <laughs> it's my first and last name. But art. Um, I do have a website. As a matter of fact, I'm so easy to be googled this day and age, which I don't like. <laughs> um, you're blowing up. It's what happens. Yeah, like I think I think now, like when you uh, Google me, like the first couple of pages are like legit about me and not just some random um, stuff. But when people yeah. act like they don't know who you are, just say Google me, and boom. I actually say that, um, and people like oh. <laughs> that's kind of rude. Like, you might be a heel. <laughs> Right, but, but I, I I have gotten to the point like I'm like oh no it's okay like, you can just Google it like, what's your website or what's the store and I was like oh you know if you just Google me like it'll come up and like <laughs> and that's the most arrogant thing to ever say but it's just like no but we use Google to Google symptoms and to <laughs> Google places to eat or how to get somewhere but you don't want to Google how to get to my website. <laughs> Wow. I like the energy there. So I'm glad that I, I'm glad that we're on a non Rob, you should Google me kind of relationship here. I'm glad that we're friends Not here because if I had to go in and Google you, I would be really tight. I'm like, really? Look. I was like, you're Hollywood and shit. Now. No, <laughs> I mean, it in the, I mean, you know me, I, I'm a pretty humble, like trying to stay out of the spotlight type of person. Um, cause the reason I know that I'm easily Google, that you can easily Google me is because one of my friends. Uh, I'm gonna start typing right now. Oh goodness! Okay, but one of my friends had sent me a screenshot of one of my like of my Psychology Today profile because he was googling. Like that's the first thing that pops up, and then your website. Well, it, it was, but this was the 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 therapist portion, but. He found me. He was like, "Oh, look what I found!" And I'm just like, "Oh, that already." I was expecting it to take some time. Um, and then even somebody was like, "Oh, I found your found your website." Uh huh. Yeah. Less than half of a second, everything popped up. I just typed in the first name, and then the rest of everything else filled in. Really? Yeah, you're blowing up. Um, <laughs> I feel like um, you're facetious. I- no, I'm not. I, I think that I'm I'm just small potatoes here. You know, just, you know, I'm just so honored for you to have come on my little podcast here. No, I am honored that you <laughs> thought that I was someone that fit what you were trying to do. And I appreciate you having me. I'm so sorry that you were able to Google me. <laughs> <laughs> so again, um, I want to thank you for coming on and that's going to be it. I'm going to wrap this up. Um, so I'm Rob Lee for Crystal McCaskill, Crystal McCaskill art, all of that stuff saying there's art in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it.